Welcome to Jim Galliano's Building a Better Web Presence podcast. Build something better with less moving parts, less overhead, and less headaches. Hey everyone, this is Jim Galliano from jimgalliano.com. Thanks for joining me for today's podcast episode. If you're new to this podcast, welcome. I'm glad you're here. If you're a longtime listener, I'm glad you're back. So let's take another step in our journey together today as we move forward in business and in life. And uh, just if you are new, I just want to let you know that this podcast is dedicated to the pursuit of building a better kind of online business. Better meaning you're building something that's not going to suck the life out of you over the upcoming years. Better meaning that you work smarter and you're not going to put yourself in a position where you're going broke, borrowing, or spending money where you don't have to. Building a business can be an overwhelming undertaking. I understand that, but it really doesn't have to be, at least not today anyway. Sometimes it just comes down to having the right business model for you specifically and having a better plan in place than the one you currently have. Better doesn't mean bigger or more complex either. Every time I personally revised my own plans and business strategies over the years, the initial work aside, because when you make changes, sometimes that involves getting rid of certain elements in a business and creating new ones to replace those, or just strategizing on how you're going to do things in a much different way. And it does take a little time to set things up on the front end, but that's true with everything, isn't it? So, but... All of that aside, the better plan ends up being one that's easier to follow, is less stressful, and generates a better return, a better ROI, return on the investment. And there's other little elements too. I don't want to just belabor this point, but it also finally makes better use of your existing skill set. And oftentimes that means coupling what you already do with some new ideas and some fresh insights. Sometimes, you know, unfortunately, things get stale in your business and in your life. And the only way to keep moving forward is to make some adjustments. And I know when you say that, sometimes people anticipate big adjustments, but the little adjustments really do have a ripple effect down the line. I'm bringing this up because lately I've been talking about and thinking about this question, what do businesses want in 2022. I didn't ask this question really and think about it and dwell upon it since I created a podcast episode back in 2019 on the same topic, what did businesses want going into 2019. And now here we are in 2022 and a lot of water has gone under the bridge in just a few years. I think you realize that. That's what I want to talk about in today's podcast. What do they want and how is that going to affect us going into the new year? Now, before we go any further, a few days ago, I launched a new newsletter, digital newsletter called the Digital Strategist Newsletter. If you haven't received it yet, you can get it at Jim Galliano, excuse me, jimsnewsletter.com. I'm so used to saying jimgalliano.com. It's available at jimsnewsletter.com. And this is a monthly newsletter that's designed to help freelancers, small agency owners, business owners, digital consultants, you know, everybody who's in the digital world. And I'm looking to send it out maybe about once a month at this point. 
I'll, maybe down the line I'll do it a little more frequently than that, but I think once a month is probably going to fit into my schedule nicely. So it's available at jimsnewsletter.com, and it is a double opt-in. You do have to confirm your subscription if you're new. So just a quick heads up with that also. You know, one of the things I find myself saying fairly regularly um, throughout this podcast is how quickly time seems to be passing. And just the other day, I decided to listen to a few minutes of an episode I recorded back a few years ago. And during the first few minutes of that episode, I remarked again about how quickly time passes. And I started thinking to myself, I need to stop talking about this. Uh, Why do I keep talking about this? Why am I still surprised by something that I should be used to by now? And the more I thought about it, I think that in a way I'm almost reminding myself, as well as you who listen to this podcast, that we don't have forever to build whatever it is that we want to build. I know sometimes it feels like we have plenty of time, but when you just look at, and again, I wanted to say how quickly time goes by, it's kind of an illusion in a way. I think we know that logically, that we don't really have all the time in the world, but sometimes you really have to take something like this to heart because that's the only way something will ever change because otherwise you just fall into this pattern. One day leads to another and we look back and let's say a five-day period of time, just as an example of this, and we realize that looking back over, let's say, the past five days, maybe we only dedicated a few hours in total, if that, to something that was supposed to be really important to us. And then we start to wonder, how did this happen? And not only how did this happen, but if you think about this, why does this keep on happening? Why don't we spend more time doing the things that are really important to us in in a business sense? And I think the answer is, is that we let ourselves believe that we have more time than we actually do. So for example, on Monday, it feels like you have plenty of time to get something done by Friday. But on Monday, the urgency isn't there like it will be on Thursday. And so perhaps more often than you'd like to admit, you rush to get something done at the last minute, but that's usually if there's some kind of accountability connected to the project. In other words, something negative is going to happen. You're going to be accountable for not following through If you don't follow through, but if it's your own project, you know, sometimes you put something off for a few hours and then it becomes a few more hours and then it becomes, well, we're not going to get to this today. And then today becomes tomorrow and the whole delayed activity sequence starts again and it can just go on and on and on if you don't have that accountability there in place. And so we can easily lose lose a large chunk of time and... Because we're doing things that feel like they're more urgent than they really are. Busy work or just responding or being reactive during the day instead of being concentrating, instead of concentrating and focusing on something. So if you want to get something done that's going to benefit you sooner rather than later, and this isn't something that you're accountable to a client or a customer for, then you're sort of responsible for creating your own sense of urgency. And for me, something that creates a sense of urgency is the feeling that I'm falling behind. So if you think about what you're doing today to push your business forward, the things that are really important, that specific project or those set of projects that you're working on, that when completed, 
will transform how you do business, what you do in your business, and the potential of income for that business. When you think about that, imagine if you had done this a year ago or two years ago or three years ago. And I can ask you the question, why didn't you do it? Maybe you have a legitimate reason why. Maybe you didn't understand things two or three years ago the way you understand them now. Or maybe the timing wasn't right. There can be quite a few legitimate reasons why that we could talk about. But maybe there's really no legitimate reason why. And so I guess why I'm bringing this up is because all we have is right here and right now. Right now you're listening to this podcast and I thank you for spending some time with me listening to this. But to be honest with you, think about how much time you have left in the day or think about how much time you have left tomorrow. And do you want to lose yet another day, another series of days, another week, and God forbid another month or longer doing things that are maybe loudly trying to get your attention, but really not doing anything as far as the big picture goes. These are things that phone calls, emails, people that need something done urgently, but it really isn't that urgent. Just the other night, I was working on a project and I had my email open and somebody sent a message to me and they wanted to know if something could be changed. And my reflex action was to answer that email right away. And it was nine o'clock at night too. It was, this wasn't um, in the middle of a work day, but something on the inside of me said, you know what? You need to put that off until later. And it wasn't even that the person was expecting maybe an answer at that time of the night. I really don't think they were. They're kind of a night owl, so maybe they were. But anyway, I think the point I'm trying to make is this, is that if you are in the habit of just responding every time something urgent comes your way or every time something suddenly comes across your desk, that's a habit that you have to break. And breaking habits sometimes isn't really easy. It's not just a matter of wanting to. Sometimes you just have to grit your teeth and realize that, all right, I have to keep email shut down for the next two or three hours because that's the only way you're going to get work done. There's no peeking. There's no checking. Sometimes you have to shut your browsers down, turn Facebook off, put your phone on do not disturb because unless you do those things, all it's going to take is one or two people texting you or sending you a message and suddenly all that focus that you had reserved to get your project moving forward is done. And you may not get back to that project again today and, you, and you've lost yet another day. So you do have to learn how to create your own sense of urgency. And I think this is a great segue into what I want to talk about today because I wanted to talk about the main topic, which is what do businesses want in 2022? Many of the business owners out there right now are experiencing levels of stress similar to the kinds of stress they experienced in the middle of 2020 when most of the world went into lockdown mode. So many business owners had to scramble at that point. I saw it and I saw it clearly. Of course, that's because I have a digital business. I have an online business. And so I didn't have to worry about some of the things that I would have had to worry about if I had a physical location and was relying on physical human traffic coming in and out the door. Now, where I live here in the southeast part of the U.S., 
most of the business owners right now seem to be more or less focused on making a mental exit from having COVID on the forefront of their minds, which occupied a lot of headspace with a lot of people over the past few years. And what I mean by that is making that mental exit. They've done their best to follow whatever protocols they have to follow. And now they're just focusing on moving forward with their life. Unfortunately, the threats and prospects of another great recession, coupled with the current impact that inflation is having in the marketplace, many feel like they're stepping out of the frying pan, so to speak, into the fire. And there's also a lot of talk about how difficult it is to hire people and to fill job positions. I don't know if this is true around the world, but I know it is true here in the U.S., and I know it's true Uh, more specifically here to where I live in the state of Florida. I've talked to friends in other states. They've said the same thing. So I guess it's basically across the board. But not only are business owners finding it difficult to hire, they're also finding it difficult to keep employees long term. Now, this has been a problem, I would say, that has been building over decades. People are no longer how should we say, loyal to a company the way they have been in the past. And the companies are no longer loyal to the people either. So it's a, it's a two-edged thing here that's going on. And an increasing number of people are opting to use, are opting to leave, I should say, even some of their better paying career jobs in favor of going out on their own, starting their own businesses. Whether, they're, whether they start out as side hustles or full-time, it really doesn't matter. More and more people are leaving the quote-unquote corporate uh, world in favor of doing their own thing. And a lot of these people, they're not just younger people either. These are people who are in their 40s also and older. So uh, businesses are finding it difficult to hire people to fill job positions, They're finding it difficult to keep employees long-term. They're having to deal with the stress of how inflation is going to affect their sales and their business. An increasing number of employees are leaving their jobs after a year or two. And a lot of these positions, we're talking about an investment in each new employee that goes into this, whatever company it is, and training. And, uh, you know, more goes into just, creating a time card for a person or just telling them, okay, this is what you have to do. There is a training process. I, you know, I'm, it, it's been a long time since I've worked for someone else. It's a long time since I've, let's say, worked a cash register in a, in a business. I remember when I was, let's see, 17 years old, working in a mall, working in a store and learning how to use the register and learning how the inventory came in and out and all of these things. And it would take at least, I would say, three months, maybe a little longer before I really started feeling relaxed. And I can't imagine, well, I guess I can, jumping from job to job every year and a half, two years. But it has to be frustrating for the business owners, absolutely. When the turnover is incredible like that, and it's one thing to have turnover, that in and of itself is frustrating. But business owners are struggling because not only is, is, is one group of people leaving, there's one place that I go to uh, 
locally, I hate to admit it, it's fast food. I know it's not the most healthy, but I like to go there. It's a Wendy's. And I would say that over the past year, I've seen almost two complete groups of employees turn over at this one location. There's only one or two people that seem to be there, lifers, I guess you would call them, that they're still there. But the employees keep turning over. And one night I remember going there and getting a hamburger to take out and and the girl telling me, because there was hardly anybody there, the girl behind the register said to me, she's, well, I don't even really work at this Wendy's. I come from another one, but they couldn't find anybody to work here. So I came up from down south just to fill in for a few shifts. And I thought, wow, I just, it's hard to picture how this is affecting businesses. And, and this is a, we're talking about a big chain now. We're not talking about a private, individually owned uh, business like most of you, your clients are, the types of businesses that they run. So, But this affects businesses of, of all sizes. So um, also when talking to experienced entrepreneurs and business owners, I know this sounds kind of negative, but I mean, I'm just saying how it is out there. A lot of experienced entrepreneurs and business owners who spent their lives building what you and I would call brick-and-mortar businesses, more than just a few of them have confided to me that they're feeling tired, they're feeling burned out, and um, you know they're more than ready to plan for some kind of change going forward in their lives. Some of them have expressed the desire to take their business model and make it maybe like a smaller boutique type of business. Other ones have talked about selling their businesses and moving on to a different type of business model that's less stressful. Same thing we talk about here in this podcast, about, but in the context of online businesses, they're looking to do it with an offline business. So if you've been uh, building a business or doing business in the online world for a while now, it's easy to forget some of the benefits that we often take for granted. For example, you know we can be location independent because of the nature of what we do. And even if you have an office, moving that office to a different location usually isn't that big of a deal. Many businesses with physical locations that rely on walk-in traffic, they can't enjoy that kind of freedom. They can't just pick up and move. They're often tied into long-term leases. And not only that, but a change in location can also mean a loss of uh, clientele or customers who find for whatever reason that the new location, maybe they don't like it. Maybe it's less convenient to get to or negative in some other way. So there are a few key takeaways here that I want to share with you because these are the individuals who are potentially going to be hiring you. These are the prospects that you're going to be connecting to over the months ahead. So the first thing is, is regardless of your training, your skill set, or your experience, when you're talking to these people, these business owners, maybe you get a referral or you contact them directly, do your best to put yourself in their situation. I think it's best to always start by asking questions about their business to get an understanding of how things are working because the better you understand their product, their service from the business owner's perspective instead of maybe a service provider's perspective, the easier it will be to communicate with them on their level. I'm talking about real authentic conversations that really get to the heart of the matter. The frustrations and the problems that maybe keep them from sleeping soundly at night, the better you understand the person in front of you, the easier it will be for you to work with them and to help them going forward. 
And this is much easier when you do it maybe over the phone or in person or on a video call. It's more difficult to do if you're just going to do it by email only because for most people, it's easier to, I guess, say what's on their heart or speak the truth than it is to put it in writing. <laughs> that takes a little bit of practice. For example, now, to the heart of the matter, some of the people that you talk to, they may be honest with you and tell you that they're just worried that one of the big companies that they're competing with is going to drive them out of business. And when you engage with them in conversation about this, I'll ask to explain why, why that is. Why are you worried that this is going to happen? Is something happening right now that you can't counter or that you can't plan around? And, and sometimes the threat is real and it's playing itself out as we speak. And other times it's a perceived threat that may not be playing itself out yet, but it could. And it looks like it might in the not too distant future. And, and this is where the strategy part comes in. And you don't have to be a super consultant to do this. You don't have to be super knowledgeable about every topic. Just as a business owner yourself, you should be able to relate. And you should be able to relate to the person across the desk from you or on the other side of the phone from you or on the other side of the video chat. You should be able to relate to them on that level. And they should be able to realize that you can relate. Because we're all living in the same world and we all face more or less similar types of challenges. So, but I always ask for them to explain what it is in more detail, again, so I can understand. And what I find is that talking to these same people who go on to become clients and stay with me, that the people who came before me didn't do any of that. They were just focused on what they were selling, how they were selling it, and trying to give that person reasons why they should buy. There's nothing wrong with any of those things, but if you put this conversation and this connection as your top priority, I find that everything else goes much differently, much, much better. And I'm not even saying that you can help everybody because you can, but you're going to find clients who are a much better fit for you. So uh, back to where the strategy part comes in, you know, some competitors aren't going to be able to be outspent or outmaneuvered in the traditional way. Uh, you but a lot of them can be outmaneuvered or outstrategized because a lot of the bigger companies are more or less lazy. And the people who are doing those jobs within the companies, I mean, their heart isn't 100% behind that company. Not the way a business owner's heart is, an entrepreneur's heart is into their business. When they live, think, and eat and breathe that business, especially in the early years to get it off the ground, but I find that if you will be willing to share your thoughts on how your skill set and your experience can help their business and be honest about what you can do as well as what you can't do. For example, you may tell them that maybe they should consider hiring a copywriter if they need some specialty content written for a specific type of campaign. Each of us more or less already knows the type of work we feel comfortable doing and the type of work we'd rather subcontract out to someone else. And so I'll suggest that they go outside and maybe bring in a subcontractor for a project or two. And people really appreciate when you can tell them open and honestly what you're capable of doing, what you're good at, and what you're not so good at, rather than just say, oh, I, I can do everything, and then they find out that, well... You really can't do everything. 
So uh, be honest with them, even when it comes to things like problem solving. If Let's say they need a copywriter. Let's say that no one in that business can do a good job and you don't feel comfortable writing copy yourself. Another option could be one of the AI content writing tools that are out there today. You would point out to them that this type of software is available now. A lot of them don't even know this kind of thing exists yet because they're spending all their time and their energy and their focus in their own little world. So we each have our own little things that we are aware of, that we focus on, that we're keeping up with. We can't keep up with everything. This is where you come in because you bring potentially a whole little world into the picture, whole, a whole new set of options, a whole new different way of seeing things that it's different from what they currently have. When the conversation turns to money, there's no need to tense up. One of the things you have to remember is this, no matter what type of work you're talking about, what type of product or service that you provide, I provide, or anyone else provides, there's always a basic market value. And within that, we have the low end, we have the mid end, and we have the high end. Cars are a great analogy of this. You know, if a marketing system is a vehicle, you can buy low end, you can buy mid range, you can buy high end. You know, it's just like buying a car. Sometimes maybe you really need to buy a truck, but you can't afford a truck. And so you're going to have to buy some kind of a smaller vehicle, something that fits in, inside the budget. Or sometimes it doesn't make sense investing in something unless you can invest in something that has better quality. Those times it's better to outsource maybe that part of the work rather than buy on the lower end. I learned that firsthand when I was in the printing business. You know, you could, back in the day, you could buy inexpensive printing presses and inexpensive, inexpensive publishing systems, physical publishing systems. And I'm saying cheaper, but they really weren't cheaper. Even the cheap stuff was expensive. I'm talking about, you know, tens of thousands of dollars. Or sometimes you could buy something cheap maybe at a few thousand dollars. That would be considered cheap for printing equipment. But the point I guess I'm trying to say is, is that if you're going to invest several thousand dollars into a machine that's going to produce a slightly below average as far as, far as quality goes product, then should you bother investing or losing that money? Wouldn't it be better just to subcontract that part of the business out to somebody else? You get what I'm saying? So, so the same thing applies to services. You know, certain jobs should be done by the book. You shouldn't cut corners. But sometimes, yeah, you can cut corners. I know that there, there are products out there that, yeah, they're affordable, but the thing is, is that they're not going to last and they're not going to provide you the type of end result that you're really after. And, and that applies, again, to everything that we do. And so as long as the person on the buying end is aware of that, and this is one of the things that I do in the initial communication that I'm having with somebody, with that key decision maker, with the business owner, because I want them to realize also that their investment is just not in the product or the service that they're purchasing, but also in me. You want them to know that the investment they're making isn't just in what you're doing, but it's also in you. And your willingness to listen to them and to ask questions can have a significant impact on making that a reality for you. So be the asset you're capable of being. Don't just be somebody who is there like a delivery person. Be an asset. 
and prove that you're an asset by asking some important questions on the front end that show that you understand their position, you understand their struggles, and you understand where it is they want to go. Almost none of your competitors are doing that. You know, this is something the old timers used to do, and it's something that, you know, just isn't really taught today. Some things can be taught, but I would say the most important things that you learn, you don't find really in a book so often as you do in watching somebody else and how they operate and the little things that separate them from their competitors. These are the things that I learned from growing up around other entrepreneurs. And so um, the, simp- you know, the simple truth of the matter is, is that most of the business owners that you'll be dealing with or that you'll potentially be dealing with, most of them have a lousy experience when it comes to purchasing digital services. Digital agencies and freelancers, for the most part, don't really provide an overwhelmingly positive experience for most of their clients, not long-term anyway. Most of the people that buy the kind of services that we offer and the kind of products that we sell, most of them see us as almost a necessary evil. And what makes you valuable is the fact that it's not easy for the average person to do what it is that you do. And sometimes you can lose sight of that because you're around other people who are also in, do what you do. You know, your contemporaries, the other people selling the same thing that you do. When you're always talking to people who have the same or similar interest, it seems like everybody can do what you're doing. And you lose sight of that, that, well, you know, you're just in, you're magnifying this little group that you're in, but in the big picture, you're still in a very small group. But the people that you're selling these services to, they don't have the time, they don't have the focus, they don't have the energy to do what it is that you do at the level you do it on. That's why you're a professional. That's why you become a professional. It's like when you spend money to have someone repair something that's broken. Could you have learned to do what they do? Yeah, most likely, but the time, the energy, and the focus it would take to learn it, it just isn't worth it to you. So we're going into 2022. It's January now. We're almost in February. And businesses are facing internal struggles, they're facing external threats, they're having troubles with employees, they're, they're facing challenges for the first time that maybe you've dealt with, at least as you have planned things in your own business and how you've built them out using, let's face it, if you don't have a lot of money, you, ha- you, have, to, you have to be creative. And a lot of the people that you'll be dealing with don't have a creative way of looking at things, which makes you even more valuable, potentially, which makes you even more of an asset. So recognize that you do have an advantage of seeing your client's situation from a different vantage point. So who are your clients and what type of businesses do you serve? Most of us aren't doing business with large corporations. Most of you aren't. Your clients are, for the most part, privately owned and operating a business or a smaller organization for the most part. And if you I've had big national clients before, but the truth is behind that big national brand, I was only providing a service for a single department locally. So I wasn't making a fortune or anything like that from from the company from doing business with this big national brand. I was just one of their subcontractors. And so the point is is that local businesses need to do the same basic things that the larger companies are doing online, but they're just doing it at a different scale. And this is where you and I come in. So I had one client that wanted to build a store. 
but they didn't have the budget to do it in a traditional way. And so what we did was we created a landing page and then we added several different products to the landing page. We added the buy buttons and we sent traffic to the page using email. That's just an example of of being a little bit creative. Now, I know for some people that's not really creativity. They re really wouldn't consider it that, but it's problem solving at the very least. It's problem solving. And little things like that can make a larger impact than most people realize. Another one of my clients, I just was speaking with them the other day. I spoke with them earlier on when everything was getting shut down and she makes most of her money teaching art classes, live art classes. And during the shutdowns, and even with the most recent wave of cancellations with workshops and in-person classes that we've had here in Florida, it made it impossible for her to work with her students. And so during a conversation, I suggested that, well, maybe you should try doing your classes using Zoom instead. And, and she was already comfortable using Zoom. I, I think a lot of people are today. So I didn't mention any of the other alternative services because that would just put another speed bump in the way. Sometimes it's fine to use the third best of whatever. You don't need the best of everything. I guess you have to pick and choose wisely, but she did a uh, she thought it was a great idea and she did a dry run with one or two of her best students and then she felt comfortable that she could make it work. And she set up a simple shopping cart that she had to sell the workshops. And, and now she's doing really well with it. Matter of fact, the other day, she just advertised like a whole series of classes she has coming up over the next uh, several weeks. Keeping it all very simple, all I did and what she found very valuable was I suggested trying Zoom meetings to see if people would respond. And in the back of my mind, you know, I had some questions. I was wondering, well, how are people going to react when you have a physical drawing that you're doing or you're using watercolors, I think she works a lot in watercolors with these classes, then how do I, what do I do? Do I go through this step-by-step? Step? I've never been through one of her classes, but I'm trying to figure it out in my mind. Would I, would I hold up what I have in front of my webcam? And would somebody be able to see that? I'm used to doing things like screen shares and that kind of thing. But if I had something physical, yeah, I guess I could hold it up. Anyway, I found my mind like kind of going through these details. And then I learned that the students that she has receive physical materials by snail mail. And so that is the, the one little hump that she had to get over was the fact that they weren't going to show up and sit down in this classroom setting with their materials. So she would mail out the, the materials to them. So there were little things that she had to take care of, like making sure that the students signed up for the class at least five days ahead of time, and that would give them enough time to get their package in the mail. I guess she sends it out express or something like that. But, you know, it's so easy to get lost in the details that you never do anything, and she didn't do that. She just went for it. Two steps. One, she did it with two of her best students. Two, she ironed out the bugs from that experience, of which there were a few, and then she rolled out her class to everybody else. And I'm sure that she'll just keep on improving as she goes. And she's not, uh, you know, she's a, a veteran and she's been around for many years. So, you know, sometimes people say, oh, you know, you get a certain age, you just can't adjust. You can't make changes. You don't feel comfortable. But she did, you know, she did exactly that. And she's in her 70s. 
Now back to you as a small business owner, you've already been working in the trenches. You're already familiar with the basics on how all kinds of things work. No, you may not know them in depth, but it's not necessary for you to build a working strategy. And it's just like anything else, everything has to be tested. Maybe the Zoom meetings wouldn't have worked out at all, but you don't know until you try. And I didn't guarantee anything. I didn't say, you know, if you go ahead and do your art classes on Zoom, you're going to do so well. I didn't guarantee anything. And, I, and experienced people, when you're dealing with successful people, they we all know that. We're all on the same page with that. We're going to test everything that we do. And we're going to look at what type of result we get. And then we're going to start making some adjustments. So don't feel like you have to be an expert in several different things. Like you have to be an expert in design and social media and on all the different platforms and the email marketing and website design. Don't feel like you have to be an expert in all of these different things. All you need is a working knowledge of the basics of how these things work. Because most brick and mortar business owners, most offline business owners don't even have that. For them, getting started is half the battle, and you can really be an asset to them in that area. As a digital business owner, you're already familiar with the online landscape in a way that most offline business owners just aren't, and maybe never will be. And so what you bring to the table, although it may seem commonplace to you, it's anything but for them. You're already several steps ahead when it comes to navigating the online world. You just have to recognize it, and you have to see it in that light. Hopefully you do now. So you can help clients get started, for example, with something like email marketing, even if you're not an email marketing expert. You can still point someone in the right direction. It's really not that difficult. You can do quick research because you're already basically more or less familiar with many or most of the systems that are out there. And also on top of that, there's more than enough YouTube video tutorials that can help someone walk through a specific process they may get hung up with. So it's not like you have to be there to answer all of the questions. Simple things like, well, maybe simple to you, like uploading an email list and taking it as an Excel spreadsheet or converting it into a .csv file. For some people, that's second nature. For others, they've never done it before. So there's plenty of videos, plenty of walkthroughs and all of that that are available online to help people take the next step. And so they're not 100% reliant on you as the answer to every single one of their technical challenges. So you don't have to know all the answers yourself. And I think that that's something that intimidates a lot of people. Uh, even consultants sometimes, they feel the pressure that they have to know more than, let's face it, is really possible sometimes. So for myself, I know how the systems work inside out. I know my topic probably better than most, and I should because I started with marketing before there was an internet to do marketing on. And so I have quite a bit of experience, but even there, I recognize that there's some specialty areas that I'm not as well versed in as others, and I'm okay with that. I'm okay telling a client that maybe we should get an opinion on someone who specializes in this particular type of thing. And here's another thing I want to mention. Um, if your business is small, if you're a solopreneur, you're probably used to doing more with less, which is something that I talk about quite a bit on this podcast. It's almost like an underlying theme to a lot of the things I talk about. You're basically a modern version of what we used to call the guerrilla marketer. That term is still out there, guerrilla marketers, guerrilla marketing. 
And uh, you, you know, you can survive, you can survive in the digital jungles on your own. You basically know what berries you can eat and which berries or which plants are poisonous. And, uh, you know, I say that in jest, but, you know, if it came down to it, you could survive on a $5 a month shared hosting plan with a website built with the least popular page builder on the market if you absolutely positively had to. You know you could. You know what it takes to navigate the online world. You know how to make things work when the options are few and limited if you've been doing this for a little bit. And what type of asset could you be then when you look at where the average business owner, offline business, physical business owner of 2022 is at? Think about the potential value that you bring to the table. I think it's above and beyond what most people even realize. So let's leave that at that. And again, one of the principles I like talking about on this podcast is doing more with less, is being more focused, is simplifying things. And that's the exact position a lot of business owners will be facing as we continue into this year. Because record numbers of businesses will, when all is said and done, be looking to do more with less as we move through this year. That's really how I see it. I'm talking about fewer activities, but wanting greater impact. I'm talking about fewer employees, but being able to create better customer experiences. The same things that those of us who operate 100% in the digital space have been focusing on for years, many offline businesses are just getting started moving in this direction seriously for the first time. So you absolutely have more than it takes to make a difference in 2022. Whatever market that you're in, you do have what it takes to solve problems and to help other businesses get unstuck as we move forward throughout this year. All right, let's go ahead and put the bookmarker in it there. That's about all for today. I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you think it will help a friend, please go ahead and share the episode link with them or send them to jimgalliano.com forward slash podcast. Your sharing of this podcast has really helped this podcast grow. I just want to thank you for those of you who share the links on Facebook, LinkedIn, and Twitter. It really does help me reach people who would otherwise be very difficult to reach. Also, if you haven't checked it out already, the digital strategist newsletters waiting for you over at Jim Galliano. Oh, excuse me. That's jimsnewsletter.com. I'm so used to saying jimgalliano.com. And uh, if you haven't already, join me on this journey and start learning how to remove some of the layers of complexity from your own business that are unnecessary and unproductive There's an easier to manage, easier to scale business model. I share with you bits and pieces of this every week and and I really enjoy doing this. So hopefully a better business model will be something that you can really grab onto and it will be something that will serve you much better in the days, weeks, and months to come. So thanks again for listening. Have a great rest of your week and I'll talk to you later.